special up here with this water. <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> All right. Would you uh, please turn your Bibles to John chapter 9, verse 4. John chapter 9, verse 4. It says, I must work the works of him that sent me while the day is, while it is day. The night cometh when no man should work. Tonight, I'm going to speak on three things we need to do. 
The first one is we need to be working. We need to be doing the work of Christ. It says in Matthew chapter 18, verse number 11, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Christ had one goal when uh, he came to this earth, and that was to seek and to save that which is lost. It clearly says that. Um, the word seek means to, uh, to, to be sought after, means to long for. You, you're, you want to do this. Um, God went out, or Jesus went out with a passion. That's one thing that we need to, to work. We need to have a passion. A passion for souls, a passion for soul winning. Um, Jesus, Jesus Christ went out um, no matter what the cost was, no matter what the weather was, no matter what, what he was doing that day, no matter what everyone else was doing that day, he went out. And that's the most important thing is we need, we need to have a passion. To work, we need to have a passion for working. You don't just you don't want to go to a job and not have a passion for that job or else it's, it's not gonna, you're not going to like it. You're going to quit or you're going you're gonna to slack off or you're not going to do it right. If you don't have a passion for the work that you're working, you're not going to do well in it. See, Jesus Christ had a passion for what he was doing and for souls. And, and that's one of the things that uh, we just need to uh, get down is have a passion and to work for him, work for the Lord. And the second thing is we need to be walking. Uh, our, walk with, our walk with Christ is, is the second most important thing besides soul winning and doing his work. And if we don't have a walk, we can't be successful in that either. And the same thing, you need a passion, or else your walk will be, your walk will be lame. Your your walk won't, your walk won't have any uh, fruit from it. We need to be in our Bible and prayer every day, daily. And I struggle with that, and I'll admit it. Sometimes I struggle with that. And uh, in Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles, uh, chapter seven, uh, verse number fourteen, it says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, oh, they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will he- and I will heal their land. Prayer is so powerful. If we, if we just have a, if we um we have a strong walk with God and if we are uh, seeking his face and and daily and we really want to we really want to do something for God prayer is prayer is the most important thing that we can do to have a walk with God other than reading our Bible if if one of these things isn't fulfilled our whole walk with God is is going to be messed up it's not going to be right and our walk with God yeah it requires passion but it requires the work that we need to put into it and it's it's hard sometimes like when you get distracted with things of this life and that's why we need to have our flesh under control and to be able to know what's important and what's not and um, distinguish what's um what you need to be doing the last thing is which I'm going to spend the most time on is uh, we need to be watching we need to be watching for Christ it says in Matthew chapter 24. 
Matthew chapter 24, verse 42 says, Watch therefore, watch therefore, for ye know not that what hour the Lord doth come. We need to be watching and waiting for him. We don't know when he's going to come. We don't know what we'll be caught doing or what, or what we haven't done yet. Our work is never done. It, we need to continually, our walk is never finished. It says, the, our, the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I believe this race that we're running is dark. It's dark. And without, the re, without reading the Bible, you're just, you're just walking out and you don't know where you're going. Without the Bible, you, you, with the Bible, you see where you're going. You know what steps you're taking. With the flashlight, that's just the same. With you're walking in the dark and you don't see the path, then how are you supposed to walk the right race? How are you supposed to run the right race with if you can't even see? We need to be watching for Christ. We need to be waiting. By watching, he means look for him. Be prepared for his coming. Tell others about, because they don't know when. They, they don't, we're not promised tomorrow. They're not promised tomorrow. So if we don't go out and, and tell people about Christ today, they're not promised tomorrow. And we're not promised tomorrow to do it. And as long as we go out, the blood's not on our hands. It's, it's on them. We told them. We warned them. And um, that's why we need to do our best today to tell others about Christ. Everything that we do, we shouldn't wait till tomorrow because we're not promised tomorrow, like I said. We're not promised that next day to, to do something for Christ. We're not promised that next Saturday to tell others about Christ. We're not promised that next Tuesday to tell others about Christ. We need to be doing it wherever we go. Because they're not promised tomorrow. They could die on the way home tonight, and you could die. If you're not, if you don't have it settled, then you're gonna go to hell. That's just blunt, as bluntly as you can. You're just gonna go to hell. Um, and if you're in here tonight and you don't have it settled, same thing applies. You're not promised tomorrow. That's why I believe strongly that you shouldn't put it off. I was at a um, youth conference a while back in. Uh, I'd been struggling with my salvation, um, and uh, I got it settled. It was, I, he said, um, pastor always says um, that the Lord won't tell you to get saved, or the devil won't tell you to get saved. He just won't do it. He'll give you doubts, but he won't, he won't tell you to get saved. And if you feel that little prick in your heart saying, you're not saved, there's something wrong. There's something wrong in your life. You're not, you're not who you're supposed to be. You're not saved. You're you're living this fake life. You're, you're not saved. You're telling other people that you're saved when you, in your heart you know you're not. And you need to get that settled because if you die, you're going to go to hell. And I believe why people don't get it settled most of the time is because they don't really believe. They say they believe, but they don't. And I, that's why I believe that people who don't go out owning, they really don't believe. They don't believe that if someone dies, they'll go to hell. They say they do, but they don't. And that's the truth because... If, if, you say, if you say you believe in something, you're going to do your best to tell others about it. Right? So if, if you're not in here tonight, if you're in here tonight and, and you don't have it settled, just, just remember, keep that in your mind. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not. You're not promised to wake up in the morning. You're promised right now. That's all you're promised. That's all. That's all you have is today, right now. You're not promised to wake up in the morning and get it settled tomorrow, get it settled the next time you come to church. You're not. And the next time you hear preaching, you're not. We need to have a passion for souls. 
when you have a passion while we're walking, when you have a passion while we're watching. If you have your Bible, we turn it to uh, Psalms 18, 21. Psalms 18, verse 21. So lately, pastor's been doing some stuff before the service, and, you know, I feel like I should do something. So just real quick, I'm just going to ask a couple questions. <laughs> what did the baby corn say to the mama corn? <laughs> Where is popcorn? That was a corny joke. <laughs> what do you call cheese that is not your own? Nacho cheese. And lastly, where do boats go when they get sick? The dock. Okay. Psalms 18:21 and we're going to read to 23. It says, "For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God." For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also upright beforehand, and I kept myself from my iniquity. In verse 21, it said, For I have kept the ways of the Lord. And if there was a, a title for this message, that would be it. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. And as Christians, we should strive daily to keep the ways of the Lord. And uh, if you were to read Psalms 18, you would see how uh, David is saying how his enemies were surrounding him. And he called upon God, and God answered him. But he didn't just answer him because of he was David, but he answered him because he had some stuff that he did in his life. And uh, just real quick, I'd like to take a couple minutes and describe some of those things. First, if we're going to keep God's ways, we're going to have to depart from the flesh. We're going to have to humble ourselves before God and realize in our own power and in our own strength, we're going to fall flat in our face every single time. If you look in... Uh, Psalms 18, 1 and 2, it says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. He put God in front of him because he knew in his own strength he couldn't do it. If we put it in his hands, we will be delivered. But if we put it in our hands, we're putting it in the hands of iniquity. The hands of sin. We need to put it in God's hands. Romans 18, or 8, 13 says, for, it, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. It explains itself right there. It said, uh, if you live after the flesh, you, will, you shall die. We'll fail. But then again, it said, if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. If we're going to follow God's ways, we need to depart from the flesh. Amen. Secondly, if we're going to keep the ways of the Lord, we're going to have to depart from the world. Stay away from the issues of it. The Lord tells us in 1 John 2, 15, Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If you look back in Psalms 18, verse 6, it says, uh, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of the temple. It didn't say he called upon the world. It didn't say that he called upon the things in the world. No, he called upon God. And, uh, and uh, don't worry about the things of this world. Don't worry about your wealth. Worry about the things of God because 
If you worry about the things of the world, it's not going to matter in the end. Psalms 49:17 says, For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall descend after him. In the end, the things on this won't matter. But what the things that you did for Christ will, those will be eternal. And uh, thirdly, if we're going to keep the ways of the Lord, we're going to have to depart from the wiles of the devil. We need to block whatever Satan puts in front of us because we know it's deceitful and it's a lie. It may feel good in the beginning, but Satan tricks you. And as you get deeper and deeper into the trail and you feel you made the right choice, it's over. And it only lasted for a season. And all that time when you were there, you lost what God had for you. And you lost the things that were eternal and truthful. And uh, the devil devil is waiting for that right moment where if you're not paying attention, he's going to come up just as a lion and he's going to come. He's going to catch you. So be careful. It says in uh, Psalms 18.5, The sorrow of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. If you give in it, it will prevent you from what God has for you. It will take away. And then back to verse 6, it said, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and he heard my voice out of the temple. And my cry came before me and into his ears. When you can't bear it, call upon God. He's standing right there waiting for you to come back. So you see, if we're going to keep the ways of the Lord, we're going to have to depart from the flesh, we're going to have to depart from the world, and we're going to have to depart from the wiles of the devil. And lastly, what happens if you fall? Well, simply, just get up. He's waiting right there with open arms, just waiting for you to return. It says in uh, Psalms 86, verse 5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all that call unto thee. So just turn around. Get back in his ways. So what, are you, what changes are you going to make? So uh, go ahead and take your Bibles and uh, turn to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 3. So in Ezekiel chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 17 to start off, and then I'm going to come back to the rest of the passage in a little bit. So Ezekiel chapter 3, verse number 17, it says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. I really want to just like... My message is called, We Are the Watchmen. So I want to focus on, Son of Man, I have made thee a watchman. That's not just to the people called to preach. That's to all of us. God has made us, each and every one of us, a watchman. And as a watchman, we have a job. And it's simple. God describes it at the end of the verse. It says, Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Right here, this is God's word. And now we're supposed to tell people what it says. That's, it's as simple as that. That's what God asked us to do. And before I go into depth about the job, I want to focus on what we have to do before we go out and tell people. It's, and I'm going to take you over to Isaiah chapter 21. Isaiah chapter 21, verse number 6. It says, For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go set a watchman, let him declare what he seeth. So again, we see the watchman. Again, God's talking about there being a watchman. It says, And he saw a chariot with a couple of horsemen, a chariot of asses, and a chariot of camels. And he hearkened diligently with much heed. 
And he cried, A lion, my lord. I stand continually upon the watchtower in the daytime, and I am set in my ward whole nights. And, hold on. Yeah. and behold, here cometh a, a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the graven images of her gods he hath broken under the ground. So I want to focus on, you know, it, it says in uh, verse 8, it says, I stand continually upon the watchtower in the daytime, and I am set in my word whole nights. See, right here, Isaiah's talking, they're talking about uh, being where they were supposed to be. They were in their place. That's where they were. If you're going to be a watchman, you have to be in your place. Otherwise, people are going to get hurt because you're not doing your job. So I want to focus on what our place is as Christians, where we should be. And Colossians 3, 16 and 17 tells us where we're supposed to be. Well, it tells us what we're supposed to do, actually. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. It says to let Christ's word dwell in you. That's what we need to do. We need to let his word be in us. And then it says, then, then, no, sorry. It says, and, and admonishing one in other spirits. They put the letting Christ's word dwell in you, and then they said admonishing. Do you guys know what admonishing means? I looked it up using Webster's 1828 dictionary, and, it, and admonish means to warn or notify of a fault, counsel against wrong practices, to caution or advise. So we need to be in Christ's word, or God's word, and then we need to counsel and warn and caution others. That's what it says. So now I'm going to switch back to... Uh, Ezekiel, chapter 17, uh, cha- sorry, chapter 3, verse 17. And I'm, I, I'm actually, since we already read it, I'm going to go to 18. It says, When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if I warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also also thou hast delivered thy soul. So verse number 18, it says... it says, When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at, that hand, at thine hand. Because you didn't give the warning, their blood is on your hands. It's not on their hands, because they didn't know. God's not going to do that to them. They didn't know, but they didn't know, so their blood is on your hands, not theirs. And it's our job to tell them. I think a lot of times, like Nate was saying, we just, we don't really believe it. If we really believed, we would warn them. I have, I go to a public school. I have a lot of friends who aren't saved. A lot of them who are just going to hell. And I guarantee that each and every one of us have friends in here who are going to hell. And we've never bothered to warn them. How, 
do you guys really want your friend's blood on your own hands? Because I don't. I, was, I had the opportunity to talk to my friend the other day about uh, getting saved, and I'm, I still mean to go back to him about it because he said he never got saved, but he was, he was concerned about it. So I'm, I, don't, I told him that he could get saved if he didn't need me to be there, but I still have never talked to him about it since. This was like Friday or no, Thursday or something like that. But, you know, I warned him. I gave him the warning. I told him what he needed to do. And it's, I can leave it at that and be selfish and walk away, or I can go back. But the thing is, if we, don't warn, if, if, we do warn, if we do warn them and they ignore the warning, that's on them. Their blood's on their hands. So what I, I really just want to... So, um, as I was saying, it says in verse 19, yeah, If thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. If you're not going to do it for them, at least do it for yourself. It says that they, he, in the verse, it says that they warned him, but they didn't take it. But you've still delivered the, your soul. That's what it says. So if you can't do it for God and for them, do it for yourself. I mean, selfish, sure, but you know what? That's what it comes down to. I mean, if you really believe, there's three good reasons. Yourself, others, and God. Granted, you should focus on others and God, but nevertheless, you can still do it for yourself. It's, it's so important that we, that we just warn people. It, it really is. Because, you know, God, he gave his life for us. Amen. John fifteen thirteen. I love this verse. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. How much do you really love your friends? Do you love them enough to warn them? God was willing to die for us, and you won't even warn them. What are you guys going to, what are we going to do this week as we go to work or go to school or as we go out into the public or you see somebody at Speedway or at McDonald's getting a nice burger or something? What are you going to do? Are you going to warn them or are you just going to let them die and go to hell? How much do you really believe it? And for those of you who aren't saved, you need to get it settled. It's not a joking matter. It's not something to play with. It's not something funny. You just need, you need to get it settled. I guess I saved the best for last, so uh, that's me. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some participation because, as you can tell, I have a horribly stuffy nose, and I'm, I keep coughing and everything. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask someone to turn to Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Okay. As soon as, soon as you get there, just stand up. It's like a sword drill. Okay, let me just open this up. Okay, go ahead and read 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Thank you. you can sit down. Okay, so I wanted to preach a message on some things that a Christian can do to prepare to be, <clears throat> excuse me, to prepare to be to used by God. You know, prepare to be, because God's not going to use just anybody. 
We'd like to think that sometimes, but he's not. He's looking for people. Okay? If he looked down from heaven in the Bible and he said he saw for a man and he didn't find one in the whole world, I don't know why you guys think that he would just use anybody, but he won't. Anyways, and uh, in First Samuel, I can look down at Samuel in the Bible, and I'm sure if God looked down there, he saw a man that was willing to be used by him. Even as a child, we see Samuel was uh, <coughs> willing to say, here am I, Lord, you know, do this to me, use me. He was willing to say that. And, you know, we can look at his life and get some things from him of how we can be used by God. So the first thing is I see in that verse, you know, it says, fill thy horn with oil and go. He was willing to be sent. It says, and go. That's something important for us as children of God to be willing to do, to be sent, you know? And even in, it's not just a, a command to Samuel. <clears throat> if someone could turn to Matthew 28, verse 19. Okay, it's not just a command to Samuel. I mean, you get there, stand up. It's a command to every Christian. You got that, Matthew? Well, of course you get that one. It's Matthew. Go ahead. Nice and loud. Yes. Okay, so there we go. We have a command of that too. God told that to Samuel that he wanted him to go, <clears throat> and he tells it to us too. As Christians, if we're not willing to go, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force us, but he's not going to use us either. He's not stupid. He wants people that are willing to go. And if you're not willing to go, that's your choice. But I'm willing to go, and I want God to use me because I'm willing to go. <clears throat> and uh, the second thing we can learn from Samuel that he was willing to do in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 2. Go ahead and start turning there, and if you get there, just stand up. Okay? The second thing <clears throat> that he was willing to, you, to do, that we as Christians, all of us, should be willing to do, who want to be used by God, that was 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 2. The second thing that we need to be willing to do? <laughs> Anybody? Oh, oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. Thank you. You can sit down. Uh, what he meant to say is taken heifer, which is a cow. That's, sorry for calling you out like that, but I have to say that. I, take a sacrifice with you, okay? So as Christians, we have to be willing to sacrifice. We have to be willing to use some things that we have or get rid of some things that we have to serve the Lord. I'm sure, you know, I don't personally own a cow, and I don't know how much they cost. I'll just be honest. But I'm sure it wasn't cheap, even back then. And he was willing to take it and sacrifice it. That's some commitment right there that God's looking for from, from Samuel. Because right here, the reason, just for some background that he's doing this, <clears throat> is because Saul was the king, as you guys know, but then God wanted someone else because Saul disobeyed him. And that's why Samuel tells him in the other chapter just before, to obey is better than sacrifice. The pastor preached this morning. And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for sacrifice, okay? But he's looking for obedience first, okay? That's something I want to state just so I'm clear on that. And then Psalms chapter 51, verse 17. Someone could turn there. <clears throat> Anybody. Just like I said, stand up when you get there. So he's looking for Christians and, and servants of him that are willing to be sent and willing to sacrifice. Go ahead and read that. 51, verse uh, 17. <clears throat> okay, so it says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Okay, so as as Christians, you might say, "Oh, well, 
I'm in the teen group. I don't even have a house. I don't have a car. I don't even have money. I know how that is. <laughs> okay? I'm in the teen group too. I'm like that. But we still have our spirit that can be broken. We still have our heart that can be given. Okay? Everyone has that at least. Everyone that's alive has a spirit and a heart and your mind. Everything that you can surrender, you know? Everything that's, that's not even like uh, the money. He's not talking about that. Like, you know, sacrificing the whole cow like Samuel did. Okay? Not everyone can do that. He's just saying, give what you can. Okay? And then, <clears throat> sorry, and be ready to be standing. Because in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11, someone go ahead and turn there. It says that, uh, you know, when Samuel went to go and make the new king, it was David, obviously, we know that. But Samuel didn't know that at the time. So all of, all of the sons are walking by, and he's like, no, 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 God says no, all of them. And Samuel thinks that it's going to be this one or this one. And uh, it wasn't, okay, it was David. Anyone got that yet? Uh, anybody? Okay, you can go ahead and read that. It was First Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. Okay, so like I said, he thought that these are the sons that God was going to pick. Of course, God knows best. His plans are not our plans, and, and he was wrong, okay? So David comes, but before that, I, I, I noticed that it says, we will not sit down until he comes. And I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, that's pretty neat that Samuel made a point of saying, I'm not going to sit down until the job that the Lord gave me is finished. And I think as Christians, <coughs> we need to do that. We need to make a point of saying, even like come to the altar and tell God, I'm not going to sit down until the job you gave me is done. Okay? And um, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 16, I mean chapter 6, verse 11, 16, I don't think they have that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, okay? Someone could go ahead and turn there. <clears throat> so not sitting down until the job is finished is a big deal, you know? As a soldier, like Pastor was talking this morning, I'm sure they can't just sit down in the middle of a battle and be like, I'm done for today. Thank you. Go ahead and read that. Uh, 611. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. Thank you. You can sit down. Okay. So it says, put on the whole armor of God that you're able to stand. So not everyone can stand because the people that don't have the armor aren't able to. That's what the verse is saying. Not everyone's going to be able to stand. But if you're not able to, I think I can safely say it's your own fault. Because the armor's free, okay? It's not, it's not something you have to pay for. You already paid for it when you accept God as your Savior. And all you have to do is ask for it and use it. So <clears throat> maybe there's some Christians in, in the, here in the room that have this thing that they're willing to be sent. And they're willing to be sacrificing. But still, if God... Excuse me. <clears throat> sends you out into the combat zone, per se, without your armor, he knows you're not going to make it, so he still won't send you, okay? He's a loving God. He's not stupid, like I said before. He's not going to send his soldiers out without their armor, okay? So maybe you have these things. You're willing to be sent. You're willing to be sacrificed, but you're not willing to be standing, or if you are, you don't have your armor, okay? And in closing, let me just say, <clears throat> it says there, the helmet of salvation that's, that one's important to me because I have that one for sure. Hopefully everyone in this room has that one. 
but he certainly will not send his soldiers out into battle without their helmet of salvation because they, they won't make it. There's no chance for them, okay? Because you're not even one of his soldiers, really, if you don't have it. Let me just say it that way. So if you don't have that especially, forget everything else I said <clears throat> and just come up as soon as you can. Don't even wait. Just come up as soon as you can and get it settled, okay? And so just in closing, let me say, <clears throat> as in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, we learn that we have to be willing to be sent, sacrificing, and standing in order for God to use us. Okay? That's it. Thank you. All right. I just want to, that's it. That's as far as the preaching goes. But I do want to challenge us. You know, we, we clap for them at the end of their preaching. They did a great, uh, did a great job. You want to encourage them, and that's tremendous. Um, but I don't want us to um, downgrade it to the level of performance. All right? Performance and preaching are two different things. And uh, when we downgrade preaching to performance, we belittle the Holy Spirit of God from working. And uh, that's what was going on tonight. Obviously, these young men have pra- uh, prepared. They've prayed about what they were preaching about. Um, they, they wanted the Lord to use them. I know they do. And uh, they got behind here tonight to share from their hearts and from the Word of God, not simply for applause. Um, they're all called to preach, and they're performing now. And, and we can sit in the pew and say, oh, they're just a teenager. They don't understand. You know, when Cody got up here and said, hey, don't worry about your wealth. Oh, he's just, he's just a teenager. He doesn't understand that I've got these bills and I've got all these things to worry. And, and in our back of our minds, we're funny how we think about these things. And we, we say, oh, they're just a young person. Let no man despise your youth. The Lord told you to say what you were supposed to say, and you said it, and that's what needs to be done. And I want to encourage all of us that are in here tonight to let's take it from where it came from, all right? Not worry about the vessels that were used, but let's take it from where it came from. So I'm going to ask us all to stand, if you would. We heard tremendous preaching tonight about a a passion for a work and a walk with the Lord, and that we need to be watching. How important is it that we watch? We, we heard a, a challenge on keeping the ways of the Lord and how we need to depart from our flesh.